Okay, so today on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast, we have Coach Jason Mensing. He's the head coach at Whiteford High School in Michigan. And I know you will love listening to him on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. All right, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast, today we have Coach Mensing. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Coach, uh, our mutual connection is Coach uh, McIlvaney, and uh, he gave me your, your information, and uh, I was reading through the little bio that he, he gave to me, and I, I saw, thought it was really impressive, really cool, and I would just love for you to share with the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm heading in my 20th year as a head football coach, and at 44 years of age, it's that's uh, seems like my whole life at this point. Um, I've been a head coach at five different high schools. Uh, four of the five were situations that probably needed some level of a turnaround uh, when we arrived. All had losing records and and that type of thing. Um, over the last decade, I've been at Whiteford High School in Ottawa Lake, Michigan. Uh, we're we're a small school with 265 or so students. Um, and, uh, we want to stay title in 17, been in the semifinals four four times and including this past season. So we've had a pretty good run there. Um, I think we're 93 and 24 in the last decade there. So we've had a good run there. And, and prior to that, we've been at some larger schools and, um, even did a couple of little stints in, in small college football. Hmm. That's awesome. So you were a program builder, so to speak, early in your career is what I'm, what I'm gathering. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know if that uh, I don't know if that's the right term for it or not, but it, I've really enjoyed going to situations where it may be a bit dysfunctional or there may not be uh, a, a consistent visit, vision going on or lack of belief, maybe, and, and getting everyone to, to buy into a common theme and, and selling people on, on a concept of us working together to achieve more than what we could individually. And, and uh, and and building off of that, and I, I think that that combined with a, a level of enthusiasm and passion has has served us well through the years, and um, has allowed us to go into some tough situations and get them turned into to successful situations. Which the, the joy that you see in communities and in those type of entities and is a pretty neat thing to be a part of. Yeah. So talk about how how do you do that? How did you go? How did you go about doing that at those different programs? Yeah, you know, and it, they've all been a little bit different, but I think the, the I think the quintessential keys are number one, we have a strong foundational belief in in our pillars uh, of what a program is, and so we we have five pillars that we build everything around. And number one's culture. Um, culture, of course, is the most overplayed term in in football right now. Uh, and, I, and I always say culture is good when people are happy. Culture is bad when people are unhappy. It's that simple, but it's not, mm. of course. Uh, the second pillar is development, and, and we believe there's two two factions of development. There's the development of your staff and your coaches, and there's the development of your players, which are two different uh, processes. And that development with players, of course, is mind, body, and spirit. But it, that's also true with the coaches. You have a mind, body, and spirit uh, component in getting your staff to grow each year and, and improve as people, um, both instructionally and also as mentors and leaders and and, and be loyal to one or another and trust. Um, so the, the third component is promotion. Um, and then there's two kind of ways we see promotion to is promotion of our school, our community, the entity that we're a part of, but also promotion of our players. 
in their interests in, in participating at the next level or the college level and that type of thing. Um, so recruiting retention is the, the fourth pillar that we believe in. And when I talk about recruiting, uh, I mean, within our own halls and, and making sure it's a football is a program that kids want to be a part of. And then, of course, the retention of, of that, of it, making sure kids want to continue that throughout their careers. And, and then the fifth pillar schematics. And, and there's two keys with schematics, too. Number one is that you're sound in your principles and that you, your staff has been developed to be able to instruct them at a high level. But then the second key with schematics is that there's a layered approach. Each year you're building and growing on the, the schemes that you taught the previous year or the previous couple of years. So mm. that vertical and horizontal alignment of that schematic matters. And I love the fact you can you can rattle off those five pillars without notes. So obviously <laughs> it is part of you. And how did you develop those? What are, are those things you just came up with? Did you like use that from somewhere else you were assistant coach how did you how did you come up with those yeah you know i think it's a byproduct of it it's uh you know jerry jones talked about when he hired jimmy johnson he talked about how jimmy johnson wakes up in the morning thinking about football and he goes to bed at night thinking about football and every minute in between he's thinking about football Mm -hmm. and jerry was commenting about how he as a owner does the same about making money and that's why he wanted to hire jimmy back in the day is that he had the same passion that Jerry had for making money. And I, I think that, you know, that is, it's, it's my vocation. It's my passion. Each morning I wake up, I'm thinking about how to improve each minute I go to bed. I'm thinking about how we can improve and just about every minute in between there that that happens. And, and when, when you have that level of passion towards things, you're, you're constantly looking and analyzing at ways that we can take something that might be a complex, complex, a complex um, thought process and make it simplistic to those around us. So that it has purpose and it's meaningful to maybe somebody whose passion level is only an hour or two a day in being involved with football. So I spent a lot of time doing self-reflection and analysis and how we can take this this passion that's, you know, uh, all encompassing to make it something simplistic to maximize that hour and a half, two hours that I have with the young people or the coaches that I get to work with. Mm, That's awesome. So when you when you take over, what's what's the first thing you're working on with a football program? How are you getting like Whiteford? How are you how are you how did you start that build at, at the program that now you've gone to the state championship games, you're very successful? How did you how did you start that? So it's all the it starts relationship and in, in, mm-hmm. in relationships, you got multifaceted pieces of that too. You got administrative relationships, you got staff relationships, you got parental relationships, you got player relationships, and you got coach, coaching staff relationships. And so in my mind, it starts with that, that player and coaching staff relationship. And the only way that those can develop is through authenticity. Hmm. Um, sitting down, having real talk, truly getting to know each other, and then you can build upon each other's strengths. Um, and that's, it's difficult because that, that obviously can't be done until some form of trust is built. Hmm. So, you know, we always start, the starting point is, if you don't feel like you can trust me, you you shouldn't be part of this program mm. and likewise if i don't trust you you should not be part of this program because ultimately without that we got no chance so we start there and then you know obviously it takes time to to have authentic relationships but once they're established um and that trust is established then all else in the walls come down and we get to find out who we truly are and what <coughs> truly what what our goals are in life and how can we help each other achieve those things Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then w- with that other fold of that, with the administrative staff and the parents, one of the things that 
I think it's been a strength of what we've done, at least over the last decade, is that I have built really authentic relationships in those capacities too, almost to a fault. It's probably hurt us in some capacities as well, but um, I, I'm pretty sure my parents know who I am, my good and bad, you know, and, mm. and they're, they're aware of my flaws. And I don't, I don't try to hide that. I don't try to pretend to be something I'm not. And the same goes with my administrative staff. And um, it, I think it's in the end, that's healthier uh, for the entity. Yeah, to be authentic with people is the ultimate goal, right? To be able to, this is me, this is how I operate. Um, so as you're you're building that program, what's the kind of the next steps? Do you go to weight room? Is it schematics? How do How do you go, how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, all those pillars matter. So in some of it's kind of the timing of the season and where you're at. So when we talk about development, development to me is probably the quintessential one as far as it, you, you, to get things turned around. Um, typically, you have to identify what the quickest, the biggest flaws that you have and fix those first. Mm. Um, the weight room is a is a uh, obviously essential component of any successful program for, for safety, let alone uh, for the, you know, the, the benefits of speed and strength development, but the weight room piece is something that really benefits itself three or four years down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, so although we are, are certainly all in, uh, with our strength program and, and getting a commitment level to that, um, ultimately in year one, I think that probably impact is lesser than what it is in maybe year three or four. Mm -hmm. So development of staff wise, we, you know, we always take our staff on a retreat. Once I've identified, you know, in a new situation, once I identify who that staff is, we go away for three days and we work on every detail of every scheme that we have and work through it. And actually, you know, even this past year, year 10, I've got my coaching staff in the front yard of the house that we were at walking through and running through plays. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that that piece is never ending, that staff development, just like your player development isn't ever ending either. And then with players, you're obviously going to establish your strength and, uh, and speed programming. The, big, the, the first piece of that is the buy-in for participation and the infrastructure that's going to allow participation. That looks different at every entity, you know, depending on what kids' schedules are, depending on, on um, you know, what their summer requirements are for work and playing baseball and other activities that may be involved in. If, if you stubbornly want to go attack their, their lives and try to force feed it, uh, them to get to the weight room, it's never going to work. So the key that we found there is, hey, we have to do a minimum of this. Like ultimately, if we want to be competitive, the minimum requirement that we need from you guys is X, which might be four hours a week or five hours a week. You guys tell me, when you're going to be here and then we build a reward system around that mm, that's awesome so what does your reward system look like well it's all towards <laughs> um you know this this when we first got to whiteford we built around their names on the backs of their jerseys oh, so okay. any kid who made up uh, 75 percent of the workouts uh, got their name on the back of their jersey if they didn't they didn't um this year we're actually building around a tough 12 concept we got 15 summer workouts um, and if they, if kids attend 12, they're going to get a tough 12 t-shirt with it. Um, we've got our thousand pound club or 1200 pound club. We, we do some other assessing that we do that we reward them based on those assessments. I think those actually have as much to, uh, improve culture and attendance as anything, because if I'm striving to achieve to get to a thousand pound club, let's say, and get this t-shirt 
and get and be able to part of that, I'm going to be in attendance and I'm mm-hmm. not only going to be in attendance, but I'm going to be engaged in the work I'm doing to try to meet, meet that measurement. So we do mm-hmm. that. We've got some speed training that we do that with. We got some strength training and then we reward off of it. So I think that those components matter just as much with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how much a t-shirt can motivate a teenager. Well, yeah. I, a t-shirt yeah. can motivate an old man too. I mean, ultimately, yeah, that's if, true. Uh, if my bride comes walking in later today with a t-shirt, I'm going to be, if it's, you know, something cool, I'm going to be really excited about that. So Heck yeah. Yeah. that's awesome. That's a great point coach, because I think sometimes, and I just did it there. We can think, Oh, we're different than teenagers. No, not really. It, yeah. We are all motivated by very simple things usually. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things we talk about with our coaches all the time is that the only difference between a, a boy in our program and us is age. Mm-hmm. We have the same hopes, dreams, uh, fear of failure, insecurities, all the things that exist in all of us as people exist in our, in our players. And, and too often do we start looking at, at teenagers and, and see a mistake they make and judge them for them when we're off making our own mistakes in different ways, or, or maybe, you know, they're getting wiser from that mistake and growing as people just like we did. And ultimately that's, I mean, that's the reality is that the difference between a young person and an old person is age and really they're winning on that end. Mm. Uh, yeah, no doubt. They're, they're far more, they're much better shape and uh, they recover way better. I know Absolutely. as a coach, Shoot, the older I get, the harder it is to coach, man. I'm like tired. It's hot. What in the world? You know, I get right. back in shape. Frick. Um, well, shoot, talk a little about your schematic piece there. So what do you like offensively, defensively? What's your flavor there? And, yeah. man, we'll just we'll ask questions from there. Yeah, you know, offensively. So we've been essentially a double wing school for the last mm. 20 years. Uh, I, I would say that we're probably, uh, you know, we would probably be quantified as a wings and things kind of version of mm-hmm. it. We're – we're very heavy in formational use where we throw the ball an exorbitant amount of times for what other double wing schools would see. Nice. You know, so, okay. um, it, I think we've had like 9,000 plus yard passers in the last 10 years. So like, like literally throw the ball a lot in, in that world of things. Um, we've got a lot of wing tee elements to what we do. My, my father was a, a college coach. And he ran the wing tee at Adrian College as an offense coordinator from 1980 to 1990. So when I was oh, wow. growing up, uh, I was around that all the time. And um, then it got into coaching and, and uh, got into some settings where um, condensing our formations a little bit and being a little more double tight, I thought was going to benefit us. So uh, we've been running it since. I have dabbled in just about everything. Um, hmm. You know, when the, the latest, newest gadget thing that comes out, uh, I get excited about it, and I, uh, I, you know, I'm like the mouse to the cheese. I see the new piece of cheese, and I'm running over to it to nibble it, mm-hmm. even if it bites me a little bit. Um, and what I can say to that too, you know, because it drives my coaches crazy. They absolutely hate the fact that, um, you know, one year we averaged 52 points a game. The next year, I was talking about some new things that we're going to do, and they're looking at me like, "Well, why would you do anything different?" You know, mm. and. But I look over the 20 years of dabbling in lots of different things and our root foundation always kind of coming back to the same spot. But yet how it's forced us to evolve and how we've changed as a scheme and the things that we do now, like what our package looks like now is based on all of that dabbling for all those years. Mm. So I see it as beneficial. Um, Like I said, my staff, I think it drives them crazy. Um, But I, 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 I think any passionate football coach 
Like they're not, there's nobody who's going to line up. And I'll just use this as an example is uh, double tight split back veer from the first year they start coaching until the last year they're done coaching and never mm -hmm. alter that. If they're like truly passionate about this, like they're going to be bored out of their minds after about year five of that. Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're going to adjust and they're going to add and they're going to subtract. And, and sometimes when you do that, you, you make mistakes. Sometimes you put mm -hmm. in things that actually hurt you. But that growth process you have, and when you go through that, I think makes your overall product system and scheme better. So that that's in a nutshell what we are offensively. I do believe that we're better under center, which is kind of opposite of most of America. And, mm -hmm. and trust me, I've dabbled in gun a couple times and feel like we get worse every single time. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's a byproduct of not understanding it. I think it's a byproduct of maybe some of the fabric of what we do and the uh, losing some of the, the, the principles, I guess, that really make us who we are. Mm -hmm. Then defensively, uh, we're a four, two, five. Uh, we've essentially been a, a, a four, four team to a four, two, five team through the years. Uh, we're all split field coverage and have been since about 2014. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, again, adapted a little bit there, here and there. Uh, but been pretty true to an even front and and have always been happiest when we've been in a split field coverage as well. So mm. you say split field, you talk, are you talking TCU type stuff? Is yeah. You, you know, it just says any, when I, when I think of split view, uh, field coverage, I'm thinking that we could have one concept on one side of the formation and another concept on the other side of the formation. Mm -hmm. So we will play coverage wise. We'll play uh, what we call, uh, read, which is a soft quarters look, what we call robber coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll we'll invert to cover three looks. And we've got about two variations of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll play some man concepts depending on what type of look we're in. So um, basically we end up being in those four or five things. The one receiver side, we'll play some sky cloud to it, mm -hmm. um, which is really just a, you know, a, a bastardized version of cover three on that backside. With something else away from it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you a are you a gambler on special teams, coach? Or are you more of a, a play it safe kind of guy? Yeah, good question. So, like our special teams philosophy is basically by unit. Okay, hmm. so okay. our kickoff unit. If I got D one kicker, we're kicking the end zone, right? Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. How many of those have you had in your career? Uh, none. Yeah, okay, I, I've had one, hmm. and. He he was a, he was a great kid. He was a good athlete. He played corner for us too. And we learned after the first quarter he couldn't hit the end zone anymore because he, all the running he was doing at corner would wear him out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So even he, after the first quarter, we would do um, we'd go hash the number sky zone kicks, basically hmm. the fifteen, and try to pin inside that that hash. So that's that's my secondary philosophy. Mm -hmm. Now what I've also learned is that's a tougher kick than having a kid kick at the end zone. Yeah, yeah. So you got to have a kid with some knack and some skill to, to do that as well. And then the, our third thing that we've done is use the two-kicker system. So we have two kickers oh. a lot. And we have nine landmarks that we kick to. Mm -hmm. um, so And we have two different types of kicks that we'll use. So mm -hmm. we have nine landmarks, two types of kicks, and we'll actually signal from the sideline based on the, their alignment. So okay. if, we don't, if we don't have that big time kicker, that's that's the strategy that we use so that we can mm -hmm. spray the ball. 
which limits what they can do from a return team. So our kickoff philosophy is we don't want to give up points and we want to limit the return game. So we're going to do one of those three strategies, depending on the, the strength of our kicker. Sure. Our, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our punt return strategy is to pressure, 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 pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't believe that the majority of high school punters or snappers, for that matter, uh, deal with pressure very well. And although we may not get a block, it leads to more shanks and, and field position type punts. Um, so we we are probably 80 uh, percent pressure team oh, and wow. we're 100 percent show pressure team. So, OK. Um, and then punt, we prefer not to. Um, <laughs> yeah. As all in America, we did. I, Absolutely. Last, I, I think we punted three times last year. We had a season. Oh, my punt. gosh. So uh, we, we've been pretty effective. Obviously, we're aggressive and going for it on fourth down. It's all it's all stats based. You know, people think we're crazy at certain times, but it's all it's all Kevin Kelly stats, numbers, percentages hmm. that determine if we're got if we're fourth and eight on our own 20, we're punting, you know, but hmm. depending on the percentage of really for them to score from that landmark in the field is what determines on whether we're going to punt or not. Uh, OK, that makes sense. And the impact also. And we, we've had some pretty good punters. Um, and the only negative I would say, is it, like even our three punts this year, a couple of them were like late in games when the game was out of hand even, and we were just trying to get practice reps in live situations. The mm -hmm. one negative to punting that few times is that your kids aren't used to the pressure of that situation. So, And when are you going to have to punt when you play really good defense, right? Yeah. So you're playing a really good team and a really good defense, and you haven't punted much. You know, it heightens the level of pressure on that play uh, to probably a little bit of unhealthy levels. So, and then our kick return, we're a pretty standard wedge team. We've done some reverses and other things on it. But I'll tell you what, when it, at the end of the day, it's like we are better off in some type of wedge return than anything else. I mean, mm -hmm. it's another thing that talk about just uh, paralysis by analysis that I've I've done. Like, it, I've done it 17 different ways. And in the end, we always come back to the wedge because it's better. Mm -hmm. um so like our average start point on punt on kick return rather has been within like two yards every single year we've been in a wedge return and it's a healthy like 36 yard line like it's it's a good good measurement mm -hmm. um and it just i i think it's just a byproduct of you know it, it's safe it's sound it goes forward you know <laughs> it's yeah it's absolutely I, I don't know about you guys we get we get a lot of we're we're wedge wedge return every time, but it's mainly because we don't know where the freaking ball is going to get kicked to a lot yeah. of the times. Like, is, yeah. are they going to try to squib it? Is it deep? Is it absolutely? You know, I've been at places where where we tried to count as an assistant, and I always thought like, well, if we don't know where the ball is getting kicked, do we know who's going to field it and and all that kind yeah. of stuff? Do you well, think about that too? Somewhat. Yeah, one year we got really good at reverses, and, and we mm. scored like two touchdowns in the first three games on reverses, and they were game-changing touchdowns, a huge plays for us. And we're like, mm. all right, we've, we've found the magic answer. Well, we couldn't set up a reverse the rest of the year because it was on our scout film. The last thing they were going to do, that, and of course, they're starting because we're trying to set up a reverse, and they're squibbing mm. it down the hash opposite. And, mm -hmm. you know, so absolutely, I think you're right on there. That's awesome. Coach, talk a little bit about, you know, some some coaching wisdom here as we land the plane on on the podcast. Talk a little bit about what do you wish you knew before you got into coaching, 
Like, what is something that you wish was given to you that would have given you some more wisdom before you got into this great profession? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think my growth in faith has probably had a, 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 a bigger impact on anything other than like I don't understand, and, and I'm sure it can be done. But um, and when I say faith, I don't even necessarily mean religious faith; just faith in general. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a Christian man, and I'm proud of that. But I think different people are different places in their life with with that, and I don't want to get too deep into that into that discussion. But the, the growth in faith, you know, the belief in things that you cannot see and the belief in in doing things the right way, critical to success for anybody. And for me as a as a Christian man and in my growth in that walk has had a direct correlation with my growth as a football coach because it's it's eliminated any pressure and any anything that I'm doing that isn't like life transformational work, right? And when the the focus and the and, and the energy that we're spending as coaches is on the people that we're working with, whether it be our staff, whether it be our players, whether we're working with whether it be our parents, who I feel like we have really authentic, positive relationships with, like when the focus is on trans, transformational relationships, the, the output by everybody is at such a higher level that in turn the results change. So. For me, that's driven directly by my faith. Maybe other people, it can be driven in other other ways. But I think that's probably, you know, 22-year-old me didn't really realize that 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 level, what importance that had on our outcomes. 22-year-old me was focused on trying to teach kids to block and, and getting them to run through a wall like a maniac, which was good and worked at some level. But at the end of the day, it, it didn't keep didn't create the same depth in a relationship. And in turn, uh, when maybe things weren't going the way that they, that we wanted them to, um, there was a, maybe a lack of trust quicker, I guess. Mm. Yeah, coach. I, I became a head coach at 29 and everything you're saying right there is, uh, yeah, like that, that is it. It's the building people is more important than the X's and O's when you first get in there and, I'm a Christian man myself, so I, I'm with you, Coach. I'm I completely with you. And, and the other thing, I, you know, like for for a guy that may not share our belief, like mm. it's more fun. Yeah, heck yeah. Like it's it's more fun to to spend time building people up, mm-hmm. and you know, once you spend a lot of time doing a deep dive into um, building others up and and being a servant, um, you find out how much more enjoyable that is for yourself, Abe, and you know. So, yeah. Coach, thank you for this. So you're on vacation, taking time to talk with us. I really appreciate you you doing this. I I really enjoyed this, and this is for our first time talking to each other. Thank you. Hey, thank, I appreciate you having on. Anything that's promoting our game and uh, promoting the kids who play it and the people who play it is a great thing. So, Zach, thank you for what you do.